going down was was hard work. That's what she said. Hello and welcome to this week's edition of the G.E.E.K podcast. It's episode 21. Yay! I'm Sober Dan. And I'm Drunken Reg. To celebrate our 21st anniversary, um, as in America now, we're also the legal age to drink over okay. in America, so um, I'd like to go completely all out Let's there. Let's raise ropes and Bronco. And I'd like to say I got drunk on American stuff, but it was mainly Denmark um, lagers, followed by Sailor Jerry, which I think might be American, um, and then Captain Morgan's. And then, the spiced rum tonight, Red. Yeah, spiced rum. Yeah, um, and then more booze. We'll we'll get into that in a minute. Why exactly you're so drunk? Um, Sounds good. Let's just uh, just to let you know what we've got coming up on this show today. Um, we've got a very exciting interview with Twin Forks. Uh, Twin Forks, you might not have heard of, but it's um, basically Chris Grabber from Dashboard Confessionals' new band. With uh, not forgetting the three other wonderful people. But we went and interviewed him this week. It was amazing. It was it, the highlight is of my year. Understatement. So good. Um, went to see him live as well. Um, you'll see a video up on our YouTubes at some point. But um, you'll be able to hear the really fascinating interview this week. Yeah, and it was, to be fair, a really, really in-depth and really thought-out interview. It wasn't one that you could see they, they paused and hesitated like we've seen in previous interviews that they've done. Yeah. They, they were eloquent. really they seemed were interested. interesting. Yeah, they were just wonderful people. They were really, yeah, really wonderful we'll people. We'll get to that later. Um, just stay tuned for that. That'll that'll come in about half an hour or so. Um, and uh, so, and Steve, if you want to put in where you... Oh, yeah. Oh, wait. Oh, Steve's not here, man. Oh, where, where, where's Steve? It's, it's his mum's birthday or something, so he's taking her to see Glee Live on stage. Uh, I, I did hear you tried to get Strictly come dancing. Yeah, Is that was it Strictly out, so. like, confidential or something? Something like that. Uh, and he couldn't get it, so I think Gleam Live must have been the next best thing. Yeah. So, it's makes next sense. Best thing, the best thing. I'm sorry, the the best thing ever. I mean, Honestly. forget Twin Forks; it's all about Glee. Yeah, that's always our, has been. Our and next always exciting will. interview is going to be with uh, with Rachel from Glee. I think I'm going to make it happen. Or that is what what was her name? The one that <laughs> Ellis. Ellis, yes, we should get <laughs> Ellis on here. Project. That would I be reckon, awesome. I reckon she'd do a Skype interview. I'd love it if she did a Skype interview. We need to I think because obviously, yeah, I think because we've Don't been chatting to her, know. she should well do that. Yeah. Alice, if you're listening, Skype us up. Hit us um, up, right? hit, hit us up on our Twitter, which incidentally is twitter.com forward slash g.e.e.k. How about Facebook? What, what's that? Facebook.com forward slash g.e.e.k. Yeah, and I believe we've also got our own website. What's that? g.e.e.k.com. But the dots aren't specifically full stops, are they, though, Dan? They are D-O-T, E-D-O-T, yeah, as it goes. Um, we've also got, as I mentioned, our YouTubes, um, which is youtube.com forward slash e.e.e.k. Um, go and have a look at uh, the hilarious videos and also our amazingly interesting in-depth uh, Twin Forks interview, which will be up next week. Um, and also, we've got some live footage on there. It was ace. I, I keep saying it, but it was it was ace. And we will go but into it. We in will go depth. into it later. In However, minute. Reg is drunk. Yep. And he is drunk because he's been drinking since quarter past nine. Uh, quarter past nine this morning, okay. and it's now uh, twenty to ten in the evening. Excellent. But it was for a valid cause. 
Okay. For once, I can actually say it was for a valid cause. This was for charity. Charity, mate. And I did, as we were discussing on last week's pod, we did the charity, the Chester Charity RAF race um, today. And for once, I was actually quietly confident on our raft floated. Um, because this, this we've been... This is a, a raft that you... And, I, yeah, and me, and, me and a couple of workmates created. Um, it was basically best themed of Britain. Um, was the was the theme of the event, so okay. we decided to go for the Dambusters, um, as you know. So we created yep. a, a Lancaster bomber um, theme uh, raft, which, as you've seen on the photo, and I think it looks rather spiffing. <laughs> well, excellent choice of words. Um, which looks good. Um, I will put it up on the website just so people can actually see. At what, least on what Twitter, Twitter's yeah. easier. At least the Twitter one, yeah. uh, just so people can see what we're talking about. Um, it worked really well. We had on all the the proper like TA army uniform. Mm-hmm. Um, we had fake mustaches, a pipe. That's which I'm token on that right now. That noise was Reg. Um, and yeah, we had the pipe. the big old hat as well. Did uh, you? Going through. Oh. Yeah, we we looked the part. It was dead funny. Um, it was an extremely nerve wracking race and grueling. Um, very very grueling. I've never had so much exercise in my life. Um, I don't doubt that. It was it was very very stressful um for want of a better word and the worst thing was going down was was hard work um it was a That's lot what of she said Wait. um <laughs> but obviously we well, i mean we had eight people on our raft so we had four, um we had three six people rowing three on either side um and then we had one person who was sat at the front with what could only describe as like a hand cannon um so it was like a pump which you soak the water up you put it in the water okay pull up um, fill it up and then you push it out and the water just sprays out and right. sucks people. So it wasn't just a race, it was like destroy the other rafts. It was destroy the other rafts and Excellent. any bystanders <laughs> in the past. Um, so it was going down and we had another Lancaster bomber themed raft that we were going against. Didn't look anywhere near as good as ours. It was, and not even saying that just because it was our raft, but it was quite a let's do this last minute sort of raft. Standard um, red. So it looked, it looked pretty shocking. Um, but the only one thing they did have, which I really wanted, was a flag. They had the Great British flag with the um, RAF symbol on it, which just looks okay. like a target for the foreign audience that don't know what the RAF symbol looks like. Looks a bit like a target with the with the English flag. I really wanted it, so I got to a stage where I was literally going to do Assassin's Creed and just fucking jump over and <laughs> and get that motherfucker. Um, and <laughs> fair to my point, threw the oar onto the raft. And was literally like rocking myself to ready to jump across board and mutiny and just like just go aboard and get their and get their flag. And Paul, like my boss, had to just grab me and go, Reg, what are you doing? And it's like, I'm getting the flag. And he's like, We're not in one of your games now. Just fucking row. We need you. Go, go, go. End up we come fourth out of like about twelve or fifteen rafts. Wow, okay. So, that's so not bad. We did alright. We would have come further if it wasn't flat on the way back down. I don't know if we talked about this on a previous pod. I've got a massive fear of nurses, um, <laughs> which has come from Silent yes. Hill. Mm-hmm. Um, and it freaks me out no end. On the way back down at <laughs> the River Dee, we were doing so well. Then a raft came full of nurses, <laughs> which the other guys <laughs> on this raft that we were on were like, Oi! And you just stopped rowing, froze. I, I shit it. I'm not <laughs> afraid to say it. I, I really bricked it to the stage where I literally had about three of the hand cannons we had just soaking up and pulling out 
and just like trying to soak them as much as I could do to capsize them to the stage where I was willing to jump ship and capsize them myself. I was that scared. Um, but in the end, <laughs> because it, it was a race that we had to do, there's me and three other guys that just jumped out of our raft and just pushed it in the sea, like swam and pushed instead of rowing, um, which turned out quite entertaining because the River Dee was full of shopping trolleys, you know, used condoms and flower bags and eggs. And okay. one of our friends, Kim, who we've talked about in previous pods, decided to come along and see us. Um, which nice. Very I nice, thought was, it? was really nice until I found out the reason she came down was to just completely batter us with cooked pasta. Yeah, so <laughs> it wasn't just like normal dry pasta. That would have been more painful, surely. No, this was with a sauce, so it was... <laughs> pasta and sauce? Yep. <laughs> so we just had really sloppy pasta was sort of covered on our raft and on our person. Wow. Which was just... It was horrendous. So as we were rowing, you could just smell this really horrible <laughs> smell in pasta, mixed with the eggs that had been chucked at us from by mm. from bystanders, mixed with like the flower bombs that had been chucked at us, some entrails of some variety, uh, which had been chucked on our raft. Don't know where they came from, but it they didn't look pretty. Pig testicles and stuff like that. Yeah. yeah. So it was it was entertaining. Although my favourite highlight. Um, we, we were coming up towards this thing called like um, the end part, which was a weir. Um, and you come down this really rocky weir, so we had to jump off the raft and try and like pull it down and make sure the raft doesn't fall apart. Okay. And there was another <laughs> another raft there which had four kids on and like five adults. And the adults kept on like trying to chuck the kids in and like having a laugh and a joke and stuff. And this little kid must have been about thirteen, fourteen got a bucket and went way and like sprayed like completely soaked me with this bucket so I was like all right if that's how you want to play it just swam over grabbed his leg <laughs> just pulled him in <laughs> held him down and then just like swam off and I held was like, him down yeah it was only for like you know about five seconds and then oh, okay and then they like, swam back to my raft the horrified look i got from the rest of my raft mates were just like you just pulled a kid in i was like he's lucky i didn't fucking drown the bastard he covered me <laughs> But, uh, yeah, I don't think the dad looked too kindly on that. Um, no. uh, but it was well entertaining. It was Crazy. a really, really fun day. <laughs> were you, um, you, you say you were in fancy dress as, like, RAF. Not, you weren't dressed as a lobster, right? no? Uh, no, I, unfortunately, we've, for once, we've actually had really nice weather um, in the UK. It's been a really nice day. And, unfortunately, with that, I didn't think it should be that nice, so I didn't take any sun protection. Reds is just the reddest thing i think i've ever seen I, and it really hurts it's yeah. not even the stage where it just looks like it hurts this physically hurts <laughs> just your face like trying it's to brilliant. sit here and, and pod is is horrendously <laughs> horrendously painful <laughs> but if it wasn't for you guys i would not be doing oh, it yeah well, look. what what old chap there he goes great spiffing with my pipe yeah but yeah so it's been an interesting day for me have you been up too much um no i worked for um, minimum wage selling things interesting mm, yeah i hope you have far more interesting things to say um not really i figured that was that was it just a 10 minute pod this week excellent yeah thanks you've been listening to now okay uh no actually no now you come to mention it um we did promise last week we were going to do uh, a spoilerific man of steel review and steve isn't here to stop us this hey. week so we actually can excellent so uh, if you haven't seen Man of Steel, it's your own fault. You should have watched it by now. It's been out weeks. Reg, opinion. 
thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyable. Okay. It was one of my favourite um, superhero films, if I'm going to be as bold as to say that. Um, mainly because be I, I had very, very low expectations. Um, At what point? With, Before with you went film. in or when you heard that it was being made? Mainly when I went in because the trailers looked really good. Yeah. But at the end of the day... Hence uh, my expectations were high. Yeah, but Superman Returns um, was such an awful, awful film Yeah. that it was going to take a lot to get going. Now, I understand, obviously, the trailers looked really great, but is it going to be one of those films where everything on the trailer is the good bits? Mm. How is it going to play out? Possibly. Watching it and not knowing a massive amount of the of the super the Superman sort of like backstory, this film well played it fantastic. As far as I'm concerned, if you know anything about the Superman backstory, you may as well have just forgotten it for this movie, because it was it just rewrote it all. Yeah, completely different. Um, and that's not a problem. It just wasn't what I expected. I'll be honest. My f- absolute favorite thing in this movie was the first ten to fifteen minutes. Where it's actually on his, on his own planet in Krypton. So, yeah, and it's all... Um, I don't even particularly like Russell Crowe, if I'm quite honest, but he was brilliant playing Jor-El. Um, that, if they made that into a movie, like a 90-minute, two-hour movie, like The Last Days of Krypton, that would be amazing. That it, would be so it looked good. so... just so good. They, they put a lot of effort into doing, you know, designing the whole world, and it looked incredible. And it was just really action-packed in this 10, 15 minutes brilliant really liked it they got a lot of kind of um the whole mythology of krypton into this 10 minutes squeezed it all in it all made sense and it wasn't all too far-fetched just all fitted and do you I think was they're like, gonna oh, go back that? and do some flash hope, like some more um, flashbacks and some more bat parts because i don't know i i just i hope they do a, a prequel i'd love them to do one I, it, it I, just it works so well and i'm more interested in watching that than another superman movie yeah, and as he was saying, like obviously with the the graphic novel that came or the comic strip that came with the uh, pre-order of your tickets in America, they did the whole Supergirl um, meeting sort of story as well, really? and that was based around Krypton as well. So, okay, I'm wondering if the second one tries to merge them sort of together, and it would be really cool to have some more Krypton stuff because the like you said, the mythology behind it was was phenomenal. Mm. They'd done it really, really well, and they didn't even skimp and scrape it. it the full world was out there for you to see. And it was so good. Yeah. So, so good. But unfortunately, past that, I mean, I liked it. I, in fact, I'd say I really liked it. I just, it didn't live up to what I hoped, and it didn't live up to that first 15 minutes. Really? Yeah, I, I enjoyed it. I got bored a little bit. Um, it picked up again at the end, but it's just, I don't know. I think, for me, it was just, it got a bit too over the top. No, there was a lot of There was a lot of just, like, I don't know, just... Didn't it? Didn't it? Wasn't as good. It wasn't as perfect as I thought it was going to be. See, for me, it was better than what I expected. Mm. And maybe I had too high I, expectations. I think, it, I think it played out really well because the they shown him the way that they could only do nowadays, which you know the amount of destruction it went through, like the skyscrapers and the fights. Yeah. You know the whole. You know the force coming down was odd. It yeah. was. It was. I thought they, they played out phenomenal. I never got bored with it. The only thing that annoyed me out of all of it was Lois Lane. Yeah. That, I didn't I didn't like Lois Lane as a character in the film. But bar that I I just I didn't like great. the fact that the way they kind of worked it and how she suddenly knows 
he knows everything now. So you knew everything really early on. You're just like suddenly, wait, she knows who Clark Kent is and she knows that Clark Kent is Superman and it's we're only halfway through the movie. Yeah. That's and it was also the thing as well when the, when the military it? came in and said, oh, no, she knows. Mm. And I was like, well, no, she's still a reporter. She has no right to be where you're asking her to be. That that bit I couldn't get my head around because at the end of the day, like I know she plays an integral part of yeah. Superman, but you know what I mean. It just yeah. it didn't sit right with me at I all. But the rest of the film thoroughly the, enjoyable. It was really well made. It looked amazing. I just thought the story was a little bit weaker than I'd hoped. I think that was the problem. But I think it might have just been because it was totally different to the actual Superman story. Yeah. Um, it was kind of, it seemed all backwards. <laughs> you know, he met Lois Lane and that all happened before he'd even started working at the Daily Planet. And how come, like, clearly it's only weeks or maybe a month or two after um, the whole destruction of Metropolis happens. Like, half of yeah. Metropolis is <laughs> I know gone. what you're going to say. And then they're like, oh, we're back at work, it's a newspaper again. And everyone's happy, everyone's like, doo, 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 you know. I mean, yeah. I mean, that, that's the one thing that obviously that, that the Marvel seemed to do really well with their universe, like Iron Man three yeah. when when New York was, about was New half York. destroyed, and then they they refer you reference it back, you know everyone's still reeling from it, especially Tony. Yeah, in this it's like everyone's back to work, we're all fine. I'm hoping we're going to see a bit more of that though, because seeing as they fast track now Superman two and three, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm hoping that we're going to see a lot more probably of what happened. Let's but I mean, it, apart from that, there's there's some nice little like. Not fan references, but like the Lex Corp. Uh, oh no, a lot of that. And, and Wayne Corp on the yeah. satellite, and yeah, there, there, there were so many nice little like hints. I think obviously Lex Luthor's going to come Lana into, Lang into in the it next as one well, isn't he, as, as well. A kid. It's, yeah, the next one's almost certainly got to be Lex Luthor. Yeah, I and mean, it, it stands to reason you've got half a city destroyed. Someone's got to come in and help rebuild it. Lex Luthor with his whole real estate and building company he'll come in and he'll be the guy he'll be owning half the city. I think I think so. And I'll I'm, I'll look forward to the next one. It's just yeah, didn't quite live up to what I hoped. Unfortunately, wasn't right. as good as Iron Man three. Um, I think I think the the worst thing with it is the trailers they released. They released one that really psyched you up for it with the whole emotional story. Really got you pumping for it. You're like this is going to be like proper like so emotionally attached to it, you, you're really going to feel for the character, you're really going to like want him to, to win. And in the film, he he doesn't come across as a really likeable character for the majority of it, because he just plays some guy who comes in and out of places yeah. whenever his heart desires. So it, it, was a it bit... takes a while for you to really It's true, because they keep, to... they keep jumping through time and everything, don't they? Like They, they go in and, well, he's, he's obviously a baby on Krypton, they send him off, and the next thing you know, he's like, mid 20s 20 like early 30s and then they jump back to when he's like six and then they jump back again to when he's like in his 20s again so now yeah it was really good though i can't i can't fault it i mean we went to pictures see it and we I really 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 enjoyed it when you we did. went you went to the pictures to see i went to the pictures to see it and not on a wednesday opposed to... i didn't actually go on an orange wednesday and i didn't did abuse mr internet we we went oh, to the pictures on a saturday evening on a date night, expensive. which was very which expensive. Was, well, saying that, it was actually about three quid more than Orange Wednesday, which I don't understand how this happens, since Orange Wednesday is now like, what, buy one get one free. Mm. Ridiculous. Because th- the 3D upsell isn't buy one get one free. Maybe that's why. Mm. I, I found a cinema near me. It's six pounds for any movie 
on a blowing weekday before six o'clock. It's amazing, including 3D. That's awesome. Bargain. So I might go and see. This is the end tomorrow for a. I really want to see that. Yeah, I I, I really want to see it. I'm just like, you know what? I'm going on my own. I don't care. I've got tomorrow off. Down the road, six quid. I'll report on that next week. I'll tell you how how good it is. Um, While we're on the subject, I guess, of end of the world movies, segue. Um, The world's end is almost upon us. (laughs) Um, I can't remember whether we talked about this on the pod or didn't because we couldn't go. But essentially, Edgar Wright, who is a director of World's End, and also Shaun of the Dead and Hot Fuzz, and the greatest movie of all time, Scott Pilgrim vs. the World, um, did at um, Prince Charles Cinema in London, the Edgar Wright takeover. And basically they showed every single one of his movies, and every episode of Spaced, Amazing. Yeah, um, in a marathon. Started at like 7 o'clock at night, finished at 11.30 the next day. He turned up, did a Q&A. It's amazing. He started off with How Fistful good. of Fingers, which was like his first ever feature. Um, then obviously did like showed four episodes of Space, then did Show on the Dead, then showed another four episodes of Space, worked through them all. Would have been, so good. Would have been great. That would have been awesome to, have gone to see. To like, yeah. Um, and yeah, and he turned up and did a Q&A after Fistful of Fingers. And then right before they showed the last film... Um, Nick Frost turned up on stage, so it's like no way. eight o'clock in the morning, and Edgar Wright and Nick Frost turn up, and uh, Nick Frost there. He's got, I've got Jaffa cakes, and he gives th- three hundred Jaffa Amazing. cakes. Amazing, so good. <laughs> and then they did an impromptu thirty-minute Q and A. Twiglet. No, exactly, making everyone in the audience violent. Mm. Um, and then they all went outside after it. Everyone who survived, they did like a, a space-style group shot of like the hundred people who were left, um, and then Cornetto turned up, Walls turned up and went, here's Cornettos to everyone and gave everyone a free Cornetto. <laughs> Amazing. That's so good. That oh, would have been brilliant. I can't believe we missed that. I'm no. devastated. I genuinely am. Trip down to London, don't even need to pay for a hotel because you're sitting in a cinema all night. Yeah. That would have been amazing. But, um, no, but the, the, what, I'm, what I'm really, really hoping is a week on Saturday is uh, Manchester um, Comic Con. MCM. Yep. Um, it happens to be the weekend that World's End opens. And Edgar Wright just happened to appear at MCM Expo in London. Right. So. Don't do this to me. <laughs> Don't do this to me because you know I can't do this. I, if, With you and Steve going, I'm at Stag do and I can't make it. It would make so much sense for him to turn up and do it. Would like, do, hey, I'll look be, at me. I'll be so... So hurtful mm-hmm. because I tried to get you guys onto space before you got onto space. Mm. And... I love Edgar Wright, and I'd be devastated if he's there and I'm not there. That would be great. But the um, MCM Expo on their Twitter account tweeted, uh, "Yeah, oh, we'd we'd love Edgar Wright to come, but he's probably busy." So I don't know whether that's just like, "Yo, he's probably busy." Yeah. Or it's like he's probably busy, but we're going to tweet him and hope that he goes. Oh, actually, yeah, we'll come. Would be awesome. Mm-hmm. I think he'd have to do the rounds though now, only especially with yeah. that coming out that weekend. Yeah. Um, incidentally, we're going to be there. Not Reg, Reg won't be there. Me and Steve are going to be there. We're going to be filming. Um, we're probably going to record the pod as we're walking around. Um, any amazing cosplay we see, we're going to go and have a word with. We're going to have a chat, see what happens. Now, also, we're trying to think of what to wear. I don't just want to go boring old Dan. I want to. I want to. I want to dress up. I want to cosplay. Ooh. I've got no idea what as. Uh, Kasumi from Dead or Alive. Um, I haven't got the boots for that. All right, okay. Um, now, previously, 
on 24. Um, previously, we've dressed up as me and Reg did Blunt Man and Chronic. That was awesome. Which was amazing. Um, we've also done, I did Gideon from Scott Pilgrim, and Steve did, um, uh, who was he? Was he Todd? Todd Ingram, yeah, from Scott Pilgrim. Um, and he, he looked amazing, especially as that. I have done Vegan Police with Steve. Don't know whether to recycle an old costume or go new. Go new. Mm, go what? big or go home. Um, what? Is the way to do it. Okay. Shall I go as Nicki Minaj? Yes. Okay. If you, you pull that off, <laughs> I, I don't know what I'd do, but I'll be in your debt forever. If you go okay. as Nicki Minaj. That would actually be dead easy, though. Just would need, it? She's yes. so eccentric. You, How just, would need, that be you easy? just need, like, a dress, a really weird, frilly dress, and then a blue wig with a bow in it. Oh, yeah. That's, that's, that's it. That's a fair point. Simples. Right, you can't Tempting. do Nicki Minaj. <laughs> Dang it. All right. I think you should go as... I think you should go with someone from Full Metal Panic, which has to be one of the greatest ever manga series. Is it? Yes. Never seen it. It is phenomenal. Okay. It's so good. And they uh, spin off um, Full Metal Panic from Mofu. That's what you should go as. They have a mascot in Full Metal Panic from Mofu, who is okay, just this really big, weird... I don't know what to describe it as, but he just keeps on going, from Mofu, from Mofu. Okay. Fubo. And he, he's like, it's like an animal sort of... Weird, albatrossy, looking Albatross. weird thing. I could go as Phoenix, right? You could. Uh, you've you've you got the blue, hair for Phoenix, right? I need a blue suit. I'll work something out. Any ideas? Please tweet us at g.e.e.k. Thank you. Um, what else have we got going on? Well, I suppose we might as well talk about Twin Forks while we're here, eh? Well, I think it'd be rude not to, wouldn't yeah. it? To be honest, it's the only reason people are tuning in. Hmm. Um. Right, let's give a bit of background on this. So, about 10 years ago, um, I was in a CD shop who had a sale on, and I saw a CD, um, it's like two ninety nine or something, by a band called Dashboard Confessional. And I saw it and went, I've heard of them. I've never heard them, but I've heard of them. Two ninety nine, ah, oh, it's worth it. I'm sure I've heard they're good. I bought it, I listened to it, I listened to it again and again and again, and just fell in love with it. I went into work, went to Reg. Oh, Reg, while you're doing delivery, just listen to this. Put that on. Reg listened to it again and again and again and fell in love with it. Yeah, I fell in love with it, but it wasn't only until I properly managed to listen to it on the way to a pub quiz, um, on the way to Neston, uh, <laughs> to, to a Neston pub quiz, and you, you put it on where people weren't talking, oh, so right. you could finally listen, <laughs> listen into to it, um, and you played the shop in the new tears, and... It properly taught me. It was the first time for a long, long time where I felt emotional with the song, and it struck so many chords with me. And mm. I was like, you know what? That guy's correct with everything <laughs> he's saying right now. This is how I feel. Yeah. Shit, that's weird. And then we obviously went on and just I bought all his albums after listening yeah. to that weekend where we just listened to it so many times. Bought yeah. all the rest, and then been a massive fan ever since. Yeah. Every but, album's been amazing. Um, never let us down um I've, I've, fo I've followed him to a lot of things seen him several times live i've seen him been to america to see him twice yep uh once for you isn't it reg yeah. once from oh, you yeah, in I went to see him in america without you um like yeah. i went to see the bernick ladies in america didn't i and you weren't there got it for you yeah. yeah i seen him over here though when you weren't here that's true but then that was when they um, didn't have steve Shut up. 
Yeah. But anyway, works, um, <laughs> but yeah, massive fans. You just can't do any wrong. Um, I, do you know what? If he did wrong, I'd be the first to say, listen, Chris, that was terrible. He just hasn't ever let me down. Um, so, what, about four or five months ago, um, he announced that um, he's now formed a new band entitled Twin Falls, which then had to have a name change to Twin Forks because there's other bands called Twin Falls. Um, um, I had a few songs released, sound amazing, very folky, not really the dashboard sound you, you're used to. Not in the slightest. Um, but still amazing because what you've got is Chris's awesome voice and his amazing lyrics, along with, as it turns out, three amazingly talented musicians to go along with him, backing him up. Yeah. Um, so then around about two or three months ago, they announced that they were touring with City of City in Colour in Europe. Um, and then after that, they did a, they were going to, they announced a, a tour of their own. And fortunately enough, playing right in our backyard in Manchester. Which is nice. Yeah. Night and day, which is an amazing venue. Um, so yeah. I just hit them up on the old email and said, hey, we like you guys. Any chance of an interview? Um, and yeah, they said yes. Which is amazing. I, I remember I was at work when you sent me the, the message going, yeah. what are you doing on Monday? <laughs> you need to get it off. And I was like, all right, I can try. It's very, very short notice, but I'll try it. Because yeah. my boss isn't in at the moment. And you went, we're going to be interviewing Twin Forks. And I was like, fuck. Right, Monday is off work right away. Don't yeah. care what I need to do. I'm well off for it. <laughs> I was just bouncing around. I was so happy. So, so happy. Like, meeting them all. Because like you said, I mean, not only is it Chris, but like like Susie, who plays mandolin, is such a genuinely really nice, dead-friendly, lovely person. And John, who was ace as well, Jonathan, was dead nice. He was awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, and Ben as well, which, despite what may seem on the interview, because he, he comes across as like, not that he's a quiet one but yeah I'd say he's not very talkative but when he wasn't on the interview and see him afterwards as well he was such a nice guy they all of them are just so nice so friendly and just genuinely are so pleased that people like them mm-hmm. it's so weird after seeing them in their other bands where you know they've got the massive crowds and they've got the massive following and unfortunately yeah. the record label like no you can't go outside you're not allowed to go see them and then for them just to like, hang around and just chat to you it was they're awesome. They're, just, awesome. they're so good. Very so good. good. So yeah, we went to uh, Manchester on a rainy Monday, and went and said hello, um, and we recorded a little interview. And I think I'll drop it in here. We'll cut in here, and you can listen. And um, we're back in fifteen minutes. Yeah. Bye. Bye. Hi there, I'm here with uh, Twin Forks. This is Dan from g.e.e.k.com, and we're here with Chris, Susie, Ben, and John. Um, they're playing a gig in Manchester tomorrow night, so we just uh, stopped by to have a few words with them. Um, so, first of all, a lot of people may know some of you from other bands. Um, this is kind of a new direction for a few of you. Yeah, I was in a band called Dashboard Confessional before. Um, if I speak for everybody, Susie was in the narrative. Um, ben has been in Manchester Orchestra and uh, played with Brand New and is best known for being in Bad Books. And Jonathan is a, somebody we found in our neighborhood we can't believe he, we got him because he's pretty great <laughs> nobody got him yet brilliant and um obviously you've you're used to playing kind of i guess chris especially we used to playing quite big audiences so you're starting from scratch almost here is that quite refreshing is that something you're enjoying doing starting building up a new fan base it is for me i mean i, I think that that's why we're not billing it as um members of and i know yeah. we just have gone through chris that because it's a point Fox, of, so, yeah. of interest i guess but 
that's not what we're putting on the marquee, or uh, we're certainly maybe shackling the promoters hands a little bit by asking them not to say too much about yeah. what bands we've been in. Um, but we believe in this project so much that we think that it'll, that we will earn an audience of our own. Mm. And um, if it's the audiences that are, if our collective other audiences, audiences from our other bands come, you know, that all the better. I believe they will because I think that they, they will like the music, yeah. you know, but I just don't want to, I guess it's, we are trying to be careful not to take advantage of the people that love all of our bands. You know, we don't want to just say, well, just because you love that, we need you over here because we, we like doing this. So yeah. come on over here and pay for a ticket. You know, it doesn't seem fair. Um, so I think that uh, it's, uh, we respect our audience that we have, our audiences that we have from our various projects um, enough uh, to say, you know, they'll discover this too. They're invited, mm -hmm. first and foremost, but we're, we respect whoever is going to be our audience uh, the same way, and we, we hope that they will, uh, we expect that they'll just like the music. Okay, and you're playing quite, obviously, quite small venues, at least on the UK tour. Is that a, was that a conscious decision, just to maybe start out small? Was it a case of, are you bringing, are you noticing a lot of previous fans and a lot of people that aren't, that aren't familiar with the music? I guess the idea is to uh, go about it honestly, and um, you know, we don't have a record out. Mm. We're just some new band, just like every other new band, and that's what you do: is you 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 go out and play small places and yeah. and um, and hopefully fill them, yeah. and then maybe next time there'll be there'll be more people. Have you have you been in town long? Have you checked out night and day yet? We haven't, but we have been in town for a couple of days, and right. we've run around <laughs> yeah. to some of our favorite spots in town. Really, right? really nice yeah. venue. So it's it's quite intimate, but gets warmer than this. <laughs> 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 but I'm really looking forward to the show, actually. So, um, I mean, uh, if anyone's not checked out Twin Forks yet, um, do you do have an EP that you can we get do. for, for free, actually. Oh, hi, yes. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Susie. Um, yeah, we do have um, we do have an EP out. It's a tour EP that's free, and mm -hmm. you can get it by emailing twinforksmusic at gmail.com, and it'll just auto send it back to you so if you don't get it then it's probably in spam so you should write something that's <laughs> like please send now, me the absolutely. ep yeah. and then you'll get it <laughs> yeah at all in the absolutely so yeah now when you set out to form twin forks was it um was there a decision to kind of aim at one particular genre of music because i guess folks it's got quite a resurgence at the minute it really seems to be the upcoming sound um was that just where you fell into I think uh, Jonathan and I, here I'll take the mic and then I'll hand it to Jonathan, <laughs> but uh, I think Jonathan and I have been at this the longest. Um, we've all known each other a very long time, um, but I wanted to do something that wasn't dashboard and I didn't know what that was going to be. Mm. Um, I knew that it was going to be acoustic based because that's what I f where I feel like it had gotten too far with dashboard where I couldn't get all the way back to right. just me and an acoustic guitar. Yes, with all to the ending, you did the, the, double, the joint album. Right, and, and that's about when I discovered which of the things I think I like doing best personally. Yeah. So, but I also had to take some time for perspective and, and really decide what kind of songs I wanted to write in terms of subject matter and, and uh, tonality. And I think I wrote a really delicate record. And um, along the way, we were doing a covers record for because... Jonathan and I have this little garage studio, and um, and uh, Ben Ben's in there with us too. Actually, this this predates Ben coming by. Um, it was just this really delicate kind of finger picking record, and um, 
then we asked Ben to come play on some things, and it was, oh yeah, drums are the best. <laughs> so then it just, it just kind of became like um, we, needed, we needed to find some, some new ground. Um, along the way, we were, I was doing a covers record, and Susie and, well, everybody here played on it. Um, I guess that was, the, that was the inroad into what became Twin Forks, besides when we settled upon by accident what kind of band we were by writing a couple of songs in a row and saying, uh, there's the most satisfying feeling. Right. But this predates this, um, not by much, but this big folk resurgent, resurgence, I think it predates that our attempt at this new music. Right. Um, it does feel a little lucky timing-wise, or maybe it, maybe it won't be, who knows, it by does, the time a record comes it, out. It comes across <laughs> as being a very natural, like a, not a sound that you're aiming to get, but a sound that you just, that's where it's got you to. So Yeah, I think we stumbled into it, you know, it's just we all came up on different influences and folk was one of my big ones. And um, it was a great chance for Susie and I to do some duet singing, which we'd been planning on doing for ages and yeah. had been doing for ages. I think that's a, a highlight of the songs I've heard, the, the way your voices work together. Oh, thank Is, you. I, I did read that you, until you Twin Four kind of started, you, you didn't play the mandolin. Um, uh, no, actually, I didn't. <laughs> but I'm, uh, I'm actually a piano player. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I had been singing on these covers with Chris, sending tracks back and forth yeah. um, for a few years, actually. And then, um, and then he just asked if I played mandolin, and I said, no. And he said, have you played guitar? And I had. Um, you know, for a while I used to perform just with an acoustic guitar. It was a long time ago, but I did. And, um, and he's like, you'll be fine. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and I was like, really? So I went out and I bought a mandolin, and I think it'll be coming up on a year soon. Um, but I kind of just, you know, I fell in love, and now yeah. I play it all the time. <laughs> She's <laughs> remarkable, right? at picking things up so quickly, well, specifically yes, this instrument. Never it's funny, you know, Jonathan and Ben and I, we played a lot of the other the instruments that uh, are on the record. We, play, we began playing, I think we, John and I played probably all the mandolin for a good portion of the record until we convinced Susie that this would be a fun project for her to do with us. And we thought we were like hot shots. <laughs> and then she comes in, oh, I don't really play this thing, and then just slays <laughs> us. Five, yeah. yeah, five months later. Yeah, so we did some tracking over. <laughs> so the album's done? It's all, is it ready? Is it just it's, sitting it's, waiting? It's being mixed and it's never done, I think, you know, yeah. until they tell us that, because we, we were writing a song here last night, so wow. it's never done until it's, they take it away from us, I guess. Okay. Was it, um, am I right that you produced the Further Scenes Forever album? Yeah, uh, Penny Black. I kind of came in a little later on that project near the end and helped kind of, you know, tidy it up and finish up. And, um, <laughs> I produced the whole thing. Yeah. No. Uh, there's another guy, Mike Vanuel, who started yeah. uh, with us on the for the record. He did such a good job. I'm not. You're not done. Sorry. He did such a he did <laughs> such a good job. And uh, but then there was a scheduling conflict, and then Jonathan came in, and he really had a heavy heavy hand in that record. So. Did you produce the, the the new songs we got from Twin, Twin Forks, or was that just that's really been a so, joint thing yeah. between Chris and I, and uh, it's just you know it's all been teamwork. And then you know anytime somebody sends a track or. You know, Ben comes over and, you know, sleeps on the couch for like four months, you know, like he's, he's also producing and, you know, helping out with the tracks and, you know, it's a real, it's a team effort. Okay. I think um, there's nobody, I mean, Ben is an actual producer also, Jonathan's an actual pr pr producer. I've just been in the room enough now to know how to work all the knobs and stuff. Um, and I think Susie's the same way. I think it's great when everybody kind of knows like how a song's supposed to be constructed and the, 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 um, the, 
and the technical end, and you know, so things move so quickly, and the ideas come from everywhere. You know, uh, to give credit where credit is is due, you know, Susie would come up with a, a line here or there. Uh, I think it was the first the first time she was rehearsing with us with a mandolin. I forget what song it was, but I thought like, well, this course doesn't have a proper ending. She goes, well, end it like this, and there it was. You know, John, uh, Ben's had uh, tons of input. He really shaped the record with his. Uh, with his uh, approach to to drumming, which I think is um, really um, very very musical, because he's one of these cats, Ben, who can do anything. That's why he's been in all the various bands he's been in, and um, I mean he can do crazy jazz stuff and all this stuff. And there's and heavy hardcore music, everything in between. But he's so tasteful that he just uh, really recognized from his production background what is necessary for the song. I think even as I'm writing it, it seems like because most of the time they're in the room when I'm writing the song. Um, so I think their wheels are spinning, um, even before I finished it. Or they're helping write the song, as the case may be, but on the ones they aren't helping, they're just, I think, as soon as we get in the room, like I'll write, I'll, I'll do the music and I'll make a, we'll make a quick demo. And we stopped making quick demos because we realized, oh, no, no, this, like, we'll, never, we'll never best the first take. So we just started actually putting up the real microphones all the time. And have you made a decision on how the record's actually going to be released? Are you, are you going to go traditional? Because that seems to be really what's up in the air at the minute. There's a lot of bands that are going down. The digital roots, self-releasing. Uh, do you have a? I mean, do you, do you actually have a, a, a label behind you ready to a, a distribution deal, anything like that? Well, we are. We are. We will. Yeah. I'm. It's. I don't want to make any kind of announcements or anything like that. But yeah, we're 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 not going to a major label or anything like that. I think that that's proven. Um, um, well, that's that's a road I've been down before, and it's it, it's proven a success for me, and I've been happy with that. But it's um, doesn't feel what this band feels like to me. This is a really organic band, and as close as we can get to a self-release, where we're working with the people daily, um, where it's a small staff with a big heart and dedication to the album. I think that's what we're looking for. Uh, everybody uh, that's been involved in this so far uh, has been just extensions of our our friends and family circle, you know, from artwork to t-shirt designs and everything in between. Um, and it, it feels homespun in a great way. So that's supposed to be a good feeling though, to be kind of a bit more in control of it. Um, and the, the one thing that kind of surprised me, I, when, I, when I heard that, you know, what was happening with Twin Forks was pretty shortly after um, a UK tour was announced. And that's it's normally one of the last things that a lot of bands will, will go for. So it's it's really good of you to, to bring it over. It was, I mean, obviously the City and Colour tour was the was the thing that maybe started it, but now you, you're back within a matter of weeks since that. Was there a conscious effort to to maybe play some, you know, a, a country that was just a little different from home? I think, um, here, why don't I take this? <laughs> I think that, uh, I think that there's a, there were multiple reasons we decided to, well, we didn't start, it's hard to say we start here, but we are, we are kind of focusing a lot of attention here, and I think that was, there's a number of reasons. One, I felt like I never spent as much time here as I wanted to with Dashboard. Um, so I felt, that, I felt like it was always last, so I decided we would put it first. And Susie hadn't toured, the narrative hadn't toured over here, so she was excited about that. Ben had had such great experiences being over here with Brand New and Manchester. Just brand new. And um, Jonathan's a seasoned world traveler, so he was like, I'll get my backpack and go anywhere. So, <laughs> yeah, so, um, so it just, I don't know, it seemed right. And plus, um, 
maybe, you know, everywhere we go, we go uh, we're going to have a smaller turnout than if it was maybe any of our other bands for yeah. now, but hopefully that won't last. Um, but we, we do have a lot of, we already seem to have a lot of diehard fans here in the UK, just as we were judging by you know, interaction on Twitter and Facebook, etc. So it seemed like a good, it, it, it seemed like they gave us the invitation to come. Right. So we, we're here. I, I, I hate, unfortunately, talking about Dashboard in particular. Well, it was Dashboard that brought uh, myself and Reg to, to Twin Forks. Um, it's actually introduced me to the narrative and bad books, and I'm absolutely loving what I hear. Um, so it's really nice to get somebody <laughs> get you. some new, some you know, new music introduced to you. But um, I, I've been to to dashboard gigs in both the states and the UK. Um, they do feel slightly different, but like the, um, the most recent one, we were in uh, Tampa last year um, at the I forget the name of the festival. It was a food festival, and he oh, played a solo yeah. show. Taste with, of Pinellas. That's the one. Yes, it was a um, benefit for the hospital. Yeah, I mean, maybe that's just a bit different because it was a, like a festival. Oh, yeah, yeah. But you always get, you get the crowds. It, immediately, you can just turn the mic on them and let them, them yeah. sing. In the UK, it always seems to be very, very diehard fans that would have come to see you. Maybe a bit smaller gigs. Yeah. So it, it always seemed a little bit more like that in the UK. You seem to have, personally, have that following in the UK. Well... I guess that's a good thing. No, no, they feel like a, there's a strong personal connection, yeah. and I think that's that probably had its uh, yeah. influence on our decision exactly. to be here. I think people here. follow you rather than you know in being necessarily dashboard, yeah. but as well as the other no, bands too, as you, said, as you stated, because I know that we've had a lot of uh, <coughs> people who came to. I can say that I, I, we've had people that never listened to dashboard, but listened to bad books. That listened to us, never listened to bad books, but listened to the narrative and listened to us. Yeah, it's um. It's nice. It's great that they're coming from wherever they're coming mm. from. But you have um, three or four fan bases. Yeah. It's two one into one band. But so we're just hopefully. we're trying our, our best not to shoehorn it or no. force it down anybody's neck because we feel like it's um, it is something completely new. It's yeah. it's new and it deserves to be treated as such. I think um, whether it it succeeds or fails on that merit is the way it should su succeed and fail. Yeah, absolutely. Or fail. Hopefully, just succeed. I think so, yeah. yeah. Okay. Right, wonderful. It's really, really appreciative that you guys have put the time in for this for us. Um, so just to, to recap, if you want to hear a little bit about Twin Forks, um, you need to send an email to twinforksmusic at gmail.com um, and you'll get the link right back. Um, really, really recommend it, as, as do our bad books and uh, the narrative. So um, again, thanks. I've been Dan for g.e.uk. Um, Chris, Susie, uh, John and Ben, um, thanks very much. Thanks, Dan. Thanks. So there you have it, Twin Forks. They're amazing. It um, sounded just as good this time yeah, round as what it did live. Yeah, I mean, so, oh, the, the the guy interviewing was just so enigmatic. He was. Yeah. I just wish the guy that worked the camera actually showing his face as well because he's such an yeah. amazingly well shit cameraman actually. To be fair, because yeah, young man. attractive, but you can't hold the camera still for no. loving the money. But <laughs> uh, to be honest, he's pale into insignificance sitting next to Susie. Fat boy. Yeah. Um, but she is nice. She's lovely. What I'm, what I'm not sure of, um, because we obviously had a nice little chat. We uh, we met them after the show on Tuesday as well, which was an amazing gig. Just like I can't even stress how good it was. And read our review. You, you would, you know, it, it, there's a, there's a genuine possibility that I would be completely biased towards all this just because I'm a fan to begin with. But I don't care. It was just such a good show. Regardless well, no, it, of it, where I sit already going, I really like these guys. If I'd have just come in fresh, 
just a mix of, of really good covers and their own stuff just works so well. It was like I said to Chris, though, I mean, at, at the end of it, I, as much as I adore Dashboard, and I really, really do love Dashboard, that gig was one of my all-time favourite gigs I've ever been to, and that made me think, I don't know if it is Dashboard I love, or just Chris, because... I think it's Chris. That's one of the things I said in that, the... In that alone was just so good, that gig, that I, I said to him, I was like, I'm pretty sure I think I might prefer Twin Forks now. Because the way that you seem to be enjoying yourself so much on that stage, the the emotion that he put into the songs is completely different than what he puts in his dashboard. And the whole enigmatic characters that they've got going on on that stage, it was just mm. the chemistry that's bonding between the entire yeah. group and the audience. You've got four amazingly talented musicians and they all seem to just feed off each other as well. Yeah. it was so, And you could tell it wasn't the fact they had to be on the stage. No. They wanted to be on that stage and they wanted you to go along with them on the journey. And that was the thing that I loved so much. It was such a really good atmosphere. And mm. once he told everyone obviously to loosen up and stop being British, <laughs> it was just, it was so good. I mean, like I said, on the if you read the review, you'll see halfway down that I mentioned about there's people in the back having a hoedown, <laughs> which... It was just awesome. awesome. It was the weirdest experience. Like you had the people at the front just clapping along and going for it, and then right at the back there was like a good like six or seven people having a proper hoe down, like linking the arms Brilliant. and swinging around in circles, really embracing it. Last time I seen that was God knows how long ago, just in a pub with a random band playing, mm. where people were pissed and they thought it was dead funny to just go and do that. But you could tell more taking these the Mickey were... out of the band. Yeah, but, but you could tell these were genuinely like... really yeah. excited for it. And so happy, and that was the feeling that gave him just to go off and do it. A perfect example is Steve. Like Steve's likes, as far as I understand, he likes Dashboard, but it has um, bad memories for him, things, issues, um, which we won't go into. But um, he he came away saying he just, yeah, because Glee never covered a Dashboard song. Um, But he ended up, he, he loved the gig as well. He said it was brilliant. And again, you know, getting to meet them all afterwards. They're just standing there selling their own merch. And and Chris FaceTimed Claire. Yeah, that was awesome. That was one of the, the great things. Like Steve's Steve's friend Claire, who's obviously been like a massive dashboard fan for ages, she couldn't make it, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. And uh, Steve turned around and went, I know we've asked already too much for you for doing this, that, and the other for us. But any chance you can just... FaceTime my friend Claire? Yeah. Well, yeah, he recorded a video in yeah, the end. Yeah, and in he? the end, he recorded this video, and Chris was like, Hey, Clara, sorry you couldn't make it to this gig tonight. I heard you were calling him, really excited to play for you. That's my really shit impression of yeah. Chris from, from Dashboard. <laughs> but, hey, Clara. But it was it was, it was, was so good, the fact that he just did that, and it was nothing to him at all. It was yeah. just so nice. And, the fact, just chatted about comics. Yeah, that was nice. Was, was great. thing is, yeah, we spent the entire interview talking about, well... The, the band and stuff, we were interested in, you know, the music and everything like that, but we were talking to him afterwards, and he kind of gave him one of our cards, and he was like, oh, man, comics. We should have talked about comics. So, but the nice thing was, he was like, next time we're in town, I was like, okay. He's like, here's my email address. Yeah, okay. the email address, <laughs> which is in my awesome. notebook, and I've been so tempted to be like, Chris, I love you. Wow. <laughs> but I won't. See, that, what I'm, I'm worried about, selfish. he was like, basically, well, we started, we were talking about podcasts and all sorts, and he said, I'll subscribe. So, chances are, he's going to be listening to this. Chances are, he'll have listened to last week's, where we spent about five minutes going, like, if you could have any man 
in the world. Yeah, Who would it be? Your, like, your man yeah, crush. I think, I think Chris. but me and you were like, yeah, Chris or Jack Bauer. Yeah. <laughs> and then this week, if he tunes in, I'm pissed and just going on about how amazing he is again. Yeah. So, shit. Yeah, but, um, I'd, uh, yeah, but then Susie, so. Yeah. I obviously can't say anything because the missus is sat on the bed yeah. right now. So. I'll say it for you. You say it for she me. She was lovely. <sighs> right? Yeah. I'm apparently going to be beaten after this podcast. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah, she did not like that idea at all. Wonderful. Excellent. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, yes, all we say is um, head over to our YouTube's page and have a watch of the video. I should have that up Tuesday or Wednesday. Um, but we've got some live footage on there, so you can check them out for yourself. But also... To be fair, we've talked about them for the last 20, 30 minutes. Um, get yourself some music. Um, get you, they, they've got a free EP. Email twinforksmusic at gmail.com and you'll get an email back with a link uh, with four amazing songs. Indeed. And also, read our review, which is on our website, on oh, Facebook and on Twitter, which has link on live links as well. Um, there to you all the music as well you can download. That's the bad And yeah. it's quite an informative review, I think. Is it? Mm. Yeah. Even Eloquent. though I do say so myself. Yeah. Well, you do say so yourself. I do say so mm. myself, and it was grand. Yeah, spiffing, some might say. Right, let's. Uh, should we wrap this up? What you wanted to, you had a couple of things you wanted to talk about. I did need one of the things is um, obviously I've been going on about Final Fantasy fourteen now for a long, long time. Mm-hmm. Going on about how excited I'm for it. I finally, um, I bit the bullet and cancelled my subscription to WoW. No way. Uh, it, NFW. It was. It was a bit like. I can't believe I'm doing this. And when you cancel, it's like it says breaking re- off. Yeah, and it says like reasons for for cancelling. And it's like, you know, like, found another MMO, I've done this. And it's like, found another MMO. It's like, which one is it? I was like, well, I'm not telling you. I, I don't want you to know. And then Final Fantasy fourteen wasn't on there yet because there obviously it's not been other. released. So I was like, other. And then which one was it? I was like, Final Fantasy fourteen It's like, if there's anything we could ever do to bring you back, what would it be? And I was like, don't ask me this. I'm not breaking up with you. Well, I am because... I know Final Fantasy XIV is a great MMO, so I'm going to like I'm not going to touch you again. But for a was, while. But I was still going to save it, and not wasn't going to delete the the game from my hard drive until I just read this little bit of funny news. And um, they've been obviously they've got a beta realm that's been open for a, for a while now, where every time they put a patch up, they always put betas through. All right, okay. Um, so people beta test it for it. Some guy in a North America um, beta test has found a uh, microtransaction. Um, <laughs> in one of the shops where you can buy something for real money. Alright, so uh, that's a, yeah. a little test for no, it. No, they tried over here a fair few years back and they got annihilated for it. And they were like, right, we're never going to do this again. And we, we've learned from our mistakes. We'll keep the subs. We're not going to ask you, for, you guys for any more money. You already pay enough for what it is. Then day, it's nine quid a month to play for to, to play the game. Mm. Now with these microtransactions, it's literally going to be you know you can buy the t- the next tier up of your armor for your PvP, which you can earn anyway. If you can you can buy like a character booster, so you might be able to get like quad XP for building up your character. It takes away the fun of leveling up your character. Mm. Honestly, like when I first subbed on to WoW, me and Dave got uh, what was given like your, your double XP. I got my my paladin up to level sixty, which was a DPS guy. By the time I hit 60, I had no idea what I was doing because it was the top level at the time and I flew by all the levels. I had no idea what spell was doing what, what was doing what. Ruined it all. Now they're talking about doing a quad XP 
So you can get a character from level nothing to 90 in the space, I reckon, of about four days. What, if you pay for it, you mean? If you pay for it, with mm. a microtransaction. Uh, if you want new mounts, if you want to... I mean, do mounts anyway, buy cash on the Blizzard store. But if you want to like special edition mounts, if you want to get the next tier up armor, if you can't be asked grinding for it, you want to hit your alchemy up to another level, you'll be able to pay for it. It's 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 basically taking away the MMO aspect of grinding, which is what an MMO is. Yeah. You grind in for the end game to get the best of the best. You now can if pay South for Park's it. taught me anything. You go and find well, the fields so... that where you fight the what are they the Balverines or something like that. So. <laughs> <laughs> to level up. Yeah. But <laughs> now it's, it's just... I don't know. It's it it's offended me, mainly because of the fact that they ask you for nine quid a month. Mm. And then they ask for microtransactions. Nine quid a month for everyone who wants to actually put the work in. And they're like, if you pay us a bit more, we'll uh, we'll let you do it quicker. Yeah. I mean, this has happened now in North... Like I said, in North oh, America. Yeah. I hope they don't bring it over here. And I hope they just... It, if they put this in... That's the final nail in the coffin for me with WoW. Fair enough. And I'll never go back. And that's the one thing that Cause really... You've had a few things me. that have taken you away from it, like Guild Wars took you away, didn't it? And then you went, I, still yeah, went back. Yeah, I did really... The only thing with Guild Wars 2 is no one got onto it, hmm. which is a shame. I mean, I know it's it, you know it's really packed, but for everyone I know, people went on it for like a week and was like, yeah, this is great, this is great, and then went back to WoW. And it's it's happened with everything, and the only one I know it won't happen with will be Final Fantasy fourteen because A, everyone was on to Final Fantasy eleven and loved it when we played it. Mm. But then, unfortunately, the way that it worked on the PlayStation was it was very lucky to get back onto it again once right. you, you came off because you had to queue up to try and get it back into the realm. They've sorted all that out now. Okay. We've now got really nice PCs, so we won't have that issue. Um, so we're going to be all about that. I've pre-ordered the collector's edition, so I'll have the art book, the soundtrack, all the beautiful good gubbins that I've placed upon Wonderful. the on our post recently um, it's going to be so good genuinely excited for it genuinely enjoy genuinely I won't be it. joining you. you you should you should no because because it's Join how much us. is it going to be a month it's going to be 8 quid a month ok I don't even think I, I spend 8 quid a month on games this this month I spent I bought I bought 4 games I bought Marvel vs Capcom 3 for a fiver um, I bought Rollercoaster Tycoon. I bought that as well <laughs> off uh, GOG. Yeah, it was like two quid. Um, and I bought Little Big Adventure 1 and 2 for two pounds and a penny each. I'll tell you what you need to get onto. Um, me and my mate Dave. Uh, Dave got me onto this the other day. Game on Steam, which was originally a Half-Life 1 mod called Cry of Fear. Okay. Some I'll guys made it. It's I've always gone on about how much I love my survival horrors mm. and how they've just sort of gone by the wayside recently. Jesus Christ, this game is probably one of the scariest things I've ever come across. Wow. It is absolutely horrendous, and it's the most nerve-wracking a, a game I've seen in a long time. Imagine the the goosebumps you get when you play Slender. Right. Uh, when you're playing amne- like, uh, Amnesia, it's, yeah. it's really, like, you, you're quite terrified, you don't know what you're doing. It's first person, you're going through it all, and there's that many scares and jumps, and it's got the Sand Hill atmosphere but in a first-person sort of environment with that much tension, it's it's unbelievable. And it's a free mod. Go on Steam, Cry of Fear. Okay. Have you got to have um, 
Half-Life Source. No, nope. you don't have to have any Half-Life whatsoever. All right, it's just a game on its own. Yeah, it's just a standalone. It was originally it was a mod, and then, like I said, they've now come across as like a standalone game. It's not a very long game. I think it's only about four hours long. So it's well, in fact, it's bigger than COD. Okay. So you know, it's all good. But mate, it's such a good game. Mm. Such a good game. All right, sounds good. Right, one more thing. Um, okay. Headline. Sheffield artist uses comics worth £20,000 for artwork. What? Okay. Uh, what it doesn't say there is completely unintentionally. No right. way. An artist who made a papier-mâché sculpture from comics he found in a skip has found they could have been sold for £20,000. Oh, my God. Comic fan Steve Eyre told artist Andrew Vickers the pages pasted to a leg were from a first edition of The Avengers. Oh, what? <laughs> the 1963 release, along with other rare comments, comics used to create the artwork, were worth thousands. A sculpture called Paperboy was created for an exhibition in Sheffield. So, on discovering the value, valuable comics clue to the chicken wire frame, he said, First of all, I thought, fantastic! As visually, it's a beautiful thing. But then, as I walked around it, certainly on the inside leg, there was the cover of Avengers number one. <laughs> I've got a copy of that, he thought, which was published in 1963, and it's well, well worth well over £10,000. <laughs> then I started looking, and there are six comments, comics on there that together would be worth, even in the condition you could see, as in covered in glue, <laughs> £20,000. It would have been cheaper for Andrew to make this out of Italian marble, because the raw materials that have gone into it, I could have sold for a lot more than he's going to sell this statue for. <laughs> Jesus Christ. But do you reckon you could sell the statue as the Avengers one and people can... I, well, that's obviously going to put the value of isn't it? Like the guy that's who made it... crazy. He said... Um, he laughed it off, saying, if somebody chucks things out in a skip, they don't generally throw things that are worth anything. To be honest, I'm shocked, but money has not got such a value to me. Oh, he's I a proper artist, funny. guy. I really yeah. love the idea of me creating something out of such expensive things that's worth less. I think it's brilliant. What a knob. Yeah. What he just, an absolute he ruined the story. <laughs> just honestly, yeah. It's, wow. I mean, it wasn't on purpose, but really in my heart I knew. It made it such a more impact, impactful piece because it was worth £20,000. I think someone might buy that now for 20 grand. Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> Well, it's, it's, it is crazy, to be fair, like, but, I mean, fair play, if you find things in the skip, you genuinely, you don't think it's worth anything. I think it's the amount of times you hear these stories. There's a, what, was, what was the guy who found a Superman number wall in a wall cavity? So it's on the wall. Superman number one in a wall cavity. That's him. He's, like, knocking a wall down, he found a load of comics, and there was Superman number well, action comics, whatever it was. Um, <laughs> things like that, and, like, um, yeah, there's an episode of Comic Book Men, where um, some woman comes along and she's got a box full of yeah. comics from Staten Island, and she's like, "Oh, my husband's a, like a refuge collector, uh, aka bin man, and um, he found him on the sidewalk." And they go through, and it's just, yeah, there's pure gold. Just people don't know what they're doing. I'd love to come across that one day. <laughs> That's because because with, with like comics, it's it's so hard because there's been that many issues look, and yeah. re-releases and different. Uh, standalone comics with each issue like say Wolverine 1 it might be a different Wolverine than the original one so it's it's very hard to try and gauge yeah. the, the original comic so with the likes of that 
I mean, I could understand people chucking it away, but as soon as you do it, you must be so gutted. Like, I remember when I was a kid, I had a Boba Fett um, toy, and it had the jetpack, and those were dead rare. Right. And I remember, like, my mum gave it away to the hospital called Shepherd, which is like a charity, charity yeah. over here in the UK. And they gave it away, and we were watching, <laughs> this is embarrassing, we were watching Dickinson's Real Deal, um, which is like a guy who goes around doing auction um, every week. And some guy brought across this Boba Fett with a jetpack, and he was like, oh, this is worth thousands. And it was worth about six grand. And my mum, as soon as we seen it, just walked at me and she went, sorry. Because she just <laughs> gave it away to charity. Um, like, she got rid of my Millennium Falcon, all my He-Man toys, everything. And as soon as she started watching that, she's like, all I can do is apologise. Um, maybe, though, when you have kids, you won't chuck away all their toys, considering how much you think of a mess they'll make. And I bet whenever you buy toys, aka figures from uh, collector's edition figures, statues from video games, at least your missus moans. Yeah, she she does do that. You don't need this. You don't need a Rio Hazuki statue that's one hundred ninety nine dollars. I really want it though. I need it so bad. I've been checking online again to see. Yeah, you know, in ten years' time, it'll be worth two hundred ten dollars. Yeah, well, it's an investment. I, all I can do is imagine in ten years' time, hopefully. We would have had Shenmue 3 out. Yeah, and the popularity and will have gone through the roof. it would have took off amazingly well, and then we'll have spin-offs, <laughs> um, where we might have Tom's hot dog stand on the Wii oh, U. I love Tom. Where, where they just go for it. How ace would that be, just Tom having like a WarioWare-type minigame thing, where it's just all about Tom and his hot dog stand? I'd love that. You could have that, and you've got the duck racing as well. Yeah. From Shenmue 2, the faultless truck racing from Shenmue 1. You, you could literally make a Shenmue minigame thing. Yeah, 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 the, the uh, box carrying. Yeah, you've got all that, and then you've got the um, the one where you're working on the docks on Shenmue Two as well, where you're carrying the boxes, where you're going like this. Shida da, shida da, Yoshi, Yoshi. You've got that, and you've got the books as well from the library. Yeah, yeah, you, yeah. You've got so much stuff that you can put into this. It, it's immense. The motorbike racing, so you go on the motorbike on Shenmue One. You can turn that into a race game, or you can just buy. Sega Rossi are racing the first one and plays Rio as an unlockable character. Mm. You know, what I mean, it's just anything that can get in more into the spotlight yeah. is always good by me. Anything you can do to get the conversation onto the subject of Shenmue. Oh, I try on a daily basis. I know, I've noticed. It always does. Right. Um, right, so I think that will call it a day. Uh, I've been Dan. I've been Reg. It's time to geek out. <laughs>